Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Morning. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, and it refers to bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential spiritual nature. You could say yoga is being restored to our innate original wholeness, abiding in the conscious awareness of our true self with a capital S. This is self-realization. It's not just knowing uh, what we are, but it is also living in harmony with it. So yoga has a very practical nature to it as well, and that fits right into today's topic, which is enough is enough. How to unclutter your life and find time for what really matters. The yoga practice of asteya or non-stealing really gets right to the heart of the clutter problem that seems to pervade uh, our lives in the developed world today. Andrew Mellon, professional organizer and author of the book Unstuff Your Life, joins us today for a look at how to bring order to our lives and free up our time and energy. Um, Andrew is a professional organizer, speaker, and best-selling author of the book Unstuff Your Life. The byline is click the, kick the, not click, but kick the clutter habit and completely organize your life for good. 
and he's been featured widely in the media, including the New York Times, the Nate Berkus Show, Oh, the Oprah Magazine, Martha Stewart Living Today, HGTV, ABC, NBC, CBS, and NPR. So with a nationwide roster of clients, he leads workshops throughout the U.S., helping people unclutter their lives and gain time for the things that are really important. You can find out more about uh, Andrew's work at his website, andrewmellon.com, and that's M-E-L-L-E-N.com. Welcome, Andrew. I'm so delighted that you're here today for the Yoga Hour. Thanks, Ellen. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you. And before we begin uncluttering our lives and thinking about how we're going to do that, let's take a moment to unclutter our minds with a moment of meditation. We consciously open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence. Recognizing one reality that is called by many names as the support and the substance of all that is. So right where we are right now, we affirm that this divine reality is present and we relax into it. Letting our soul nature infinitely expand. Let us become aware of our breath, breathing in, relaxing, breathing out. Letting go, letting go of thoughts, concerns, simply opening up our field of awareness, expanding, expanding, tuning in to being the witness of all that occurs, noticing thoughts and feelings arising and passing away. As we become aware of our essential nature that is pure and still, unmoving, unchanging, and beyond words and thoughts, we can touch the spaciousness within us, the peace within us that is always there. So let's take a moment now to invite that peace to pervade our mental field, our emotional nature, the physical body and know that this peace goes with us wherever we go today let us abide in it and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere one of the virtues uh, listed in patanjali's Ashtanga Yoga is asteya, which means non-stealing. And some may wonder how that virtue relates to the problem of clutter, which we're going to talk about today. So assuming that they didn't steal their possessions. <laughs> but beyond avoiding theft, non-stealing, or asteya means dwelling 
in our essential nature, in the soul's contentment. So there's no need um, for trying to fill something that's lacking in us. There's no need for excessive taking or consumption. By accumulating more than we need, more than we can use or appreciate, we actually are taking from the environment and, if we really understand it, from other people who could use those resources. We're, we're taking also from ourselves, from our available time and energy and uh, our ability to enjoy our lives. So, Andrew, let's begin by looking at some of the um, overarching uh, principles that you address in your book. You open your introduction with a quote by Aristotle about the influence of habit. Um, He wrote, We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Now, yogis would not say that we are what we think or what we do, but what we are as spiritual beings is expressed either skillfully or unskillfully, truthfully or untruthfully, by our thoughts and by our habits. So, what role does habit play in this problem of clutter? Uh, Well, it's an excellent question, and I think that habit um, runs... When I think of habit, I think of habit in, in a couple of different ways. I think there's the unconscious habits um, or uh, repeatable behaviors that um, people are sometimes prone to that, um, that is, I think, one of the sources of clutter and disorganization. The, the, when I say mindless, I mean um, uh, not mindless with any sort of a negative spin on it. There's no judgment there, but just that sort of unconscious, if you will, um, accumulating and bringing things in or not really thinking clearly um, as we grasp and, and drag things home, <laughs> literally or figuratively. And um, that... that pattern of behavior is is often a source of clutter and accumulation because we we're not really thinking of what we're going to do with something beyond just i see something i have a desire for it i grab it i bring it and that's and then i stack it <laughs> and there's there's really no thought there's there's no thought beyond that of what will i actually do with it um, where will it live in my in my home or my office in my life what 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 role will it play is it going to um, increase my pr- productivity or my happiness? Is it going to be useful in some way? Um, there's not a lot of thoughtful reflection um, in the grasping. Uh, and that's, for me, what I was thinking of. When I, when I think of that level of habit, that's, it's, it's just an unconscious grasping. And I want to say uh, right from the beginning that I love your book, um, and there's several things about it that I like. Um, <clears throat> but I would say the main thing, you know, for those, for spiritual practitioners, people who are on the path of yoga, that, you know, Andrew's main point really is about this whole thing is living more consciously. And um, so we're completely in harmony with that. And what is lovely about the book is that um, you help us um, see the ways that we may have created um, habits or patterns that aren't really supporting what we really want, but you do it in such a fun and loving and compassionate way that um, it's it's not 
you know, it's not too painful <laughs> to see, um, you know, to see how, how we've created um, situations that are perhaps, um, you know, not uh, allowing us uh, to, to really reach our goals. So, you know, how do you see that we can form, you know, new habits to create um, more order and, you know, really more space in our life? Well, I think that, so then the second habit is really more about practice and awareness. So if the first one is really the, the mindless, unconscious grasping, the second one is a more deliberate, thoughtful awareness that we're bringing to the stuff that surround, uh, surrounds us. And I'm not, you know, I'm not an ascetic. I don't, uh, I, I don't have a particular point of view about how, how people should live with um, luxury or, you know, a Spartan ex- existence. So I, there's, there's no agenda running behind any of this. So I, I think that people can be comfortable. Um, but, again, as you mentioned in the opening, in the opening comments and in the meditation, uh, there's, there's so many other things that we, A, we could be doing with our time, and even B, we want to be doing with our time. So often when I teach workshops, uh, work with clients, there's a tremendous longing for um, free time, and whether that's uh, for leisure or it's f- for philanthropy or for um, family time, for projects, for Whatever it is that people want to be spending their time doing, there's this gulf between where they are today with their stuff, where they want to be, and for me, eliminating the obstacles to to access to, to time is is what this whole process of getting organized and staying organized is about. I, I'm I'm really so I I, I encourage people. To pay attention. I mean, that it's 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 it is a call to awareness that you are paying attention to the choices that you're making, so that you're very deliberate about when you bring something home. Um, and we will. I'm sure we'll talk more about the organizational triangle. But for me, that is it's the simplest way to understand this process, which is one home for everything, like with like, and something in, something out. And the awareness is really where the something in the third leg of the triangle, something in, something out. It's about achieving stuff equilibrium, and the idea is that once you have enough of everything that serves you and nothing that doesn't, at that point we're not in the process of accumulating anymore. We're replacing, we're, you know, if something breaks, if something fails, if there is a newer, better version of something and there's a way for us to responsibly let go of something else, by all means, you can, you can do all of that, but you're not just shopping as a diversion or a distraction. You're not, you know, even as an artist, you're not picking up things off the street. You're going home to your studio and actually making work rather than thinking, oh, more supplies. You probably have enough mm-hmm. supplies. Go home and make some art, and then you can mm-hmm. pick up something else off the street. <laughs> yeah, I think I have been, um, and I, I don't know how many share this with me, but, you know, I, I have had a long, long history of falling in love with potential, Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, whether, whether it's going to the farmer's market and, you know, buying the tomatoes because they're so red and beautiful or going mm-hmm. to the fabric store and, you know, buying some yardage because I can envision, you know, what it could become, you know, I've had to really um, ask myself, 
you know, what is going, you know, like you say, you know, what is going to become of this, you know, and, and I appreciate how you've um, put a focus on, you know, what I would call full circle awareness. So it's not just the act of getting the tomato or getting the piece of yardage, you know, you, you have to see, you know, what is the end result of this going to be? And how right. am I going to carry it through? You know, it's, it, it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning how much waste we have in our culture. And now there's a, you know, greater awareness of about how much food we waste uh, in the U.S. And I don't yeah. know if you've seen those just statistics, but it's, it's absolutely stunning that, you know, we, we see these images of landfill and a lot of what's in there is food. Yeah. Um, and that, and so it's the same thing, you know, cluttering up our refrigerators, cluttering up, cluttering up our kitchen cabinets, <laughs> you know, that, that have to do with not thinking through clearly how much we really need and, um, you know, how to, how to manage it. So, right. you know, no, you're, you, you're exactly right. I, I, the, the focus really, if you living, living a simple intentional life, it, um, it, that's what it's all about. So uh, whatever that looks like, I mean, it, which doesn't mean that again that there can't be there can't be it, 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 a simple um, a simple productive life is scalable. I mean, you can you can run a huge foundation and and have and still have a simple practice a- around how you interact with stuff. So it, it's it, it's not it's not just for monks. Absolutely, and I really like that emphasis. And, and yoga is really the same way. There is not um, uh, an attitude that wealth is bad. It, it, the, the attitude is that as, as spiritually conscious beings, we need to learn how to live consciously and how to uh, appropriately use the things of the world. You know, we, we need to be skillful. Um, because a lot of times, you know, you need um, uh, wealth and um, abundance to be able to fulfill uh, what you're here to do. So it's not a matter of, you know, doing with less in in the sense of the kind of austerity that would hold you back from having what you need to do what you do. So I appreciate that emphasis as well. Um, Before we go to the break and run out of time, I want to just have a moment for you to talk about um, this idea that we, so many of us hold that we don't have enough time. And can you tell us how that's connected to our stuff? Well, I think that that scarcity mentality um, and that gerbil wheel of activity is, um, uh, it, it's just, it, it is pervasive. It's everywhere. And, um, it's fed by the media. It's fed by, you know, and I'm not vilifying the media. I mean, they, they have a, they, they have a job to do, which we can participate in or not participate in. So, um, it's, I don't, I don't necessarily fault them. I don't know that they would, I don't know that they would do anything other than what they're doing. So, um, but we can disengage from all of the information that's swirling around us that's trying to whip us up into a frothy mess uh, on a daily basis and be clear about if we're sure what our core values are, then we're building our lives outward based on what is important to us. And there's a, there's a huge distinction between urgent and important. Um, and urgent is often somebody else's agenda, and important is typically our agenda. And sometimes they're in alignment, and sometimes they're not. And it's easy when you want to be a nice person, whatever that means to you, to um, to push your own uh, the, your own values aside 
and help somebody with their own. Uh, but when, when those are in conflict, uh, what, what you're actually doing is um, you're just delaying the, the, the implement, implementation of your own important deeds or tasks or activities. And so then you're compressing time because now you've closed in the window that you had allotted to do those things in. So now you're going to start to get anxious. You, you know, you're trying to be a nice person, at, and at the same time, there's this low-level or larger anxiety that's building up from that time compression. And what I always suggest that people do is imagine if you've had the experience of spending time with somebody who's leaving the planet, who's transitioning off the planet in a, in, a, in a slow, methodical way. I mean, they have an illness, they're leaving, we're clear about it. It's not some sort of, you know, uh, tragedy that involves like a car accident or something that's abrupt, but there's a transition. And in those moments, it's really clear what's important, which is about showing up to be in relationship with that person before they leave in, you know, in the form that they're currently in. So people have that skill, we, you know, anybody who's had that experience has that skill. Like Dorothy and Oz, you know, you've got the shoes on your feet. You just had to click your heels three times. You could go home. You've had the experience of discerning between urgent and important in those moments with somebody. So just bring those to bear in non-crucial moments and apply the same skill set so that you start to recognize, no, this really has value to me. That What's on sale at Nordstrom, not so important. You know, and that's not a dig at Nordstrom. It's just... Um, it's just an example. But, you know, what's going on at the local theater or at the movie house or, you know, at the, at the beach, all of those things get put into perspective and we're clear what's important and what, if we had time for, we might fold into the mix. But it's not going to trump the things that are really important. So if we always return to our core values and build our day out from there, we're going to be doing the things that matter to us and that feed our spirit uh, in, in the greatest way. Exactly. And this is a strategy that, you know, you're sharing in your book that, that we can live every day. Paramahansa Yogananda, you know, talked about it as having, um, you know, God or our spiritual life as our pole star and then, you know, doing what's supported our um, spiritual realization. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Andrew Mellon. And after the break, we're going to look at the promise of abundance that comes from uncluttering our lives. We'll be right back with you. Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity, a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. Are you feeling trapped by a situation you can't control? Don't know where to find help? Do you wonder if help even exists? It does, and it's always been there for you, hidden inside the ancient New Testament story of Lazarus. Unity Books invites you to unlock the secrets to peace and healing in The Lazarus Blueprint, new from best-selling authors Mary Alice and Richard Jafola. 
Marvel as they unveil six steps for overcoming seemingly impossible situations. Read about people like you who've used the steps to triumph over personal illness, financial hardship, and even the loss of a loved one. The Lazarus Blueprint offers a fresh new approach for fixing anything in your life. With steps so universal, timeless, and powerful, they can work for everyone. Make it your turning point. Get The Lazarus Blueprint today, online at unitybooks.org. Unity Online Radio is turning five this year, and we're throwing the biggest bash of all. A cruise to the Caribbean, November 10th through 17th, 2012. We'll celebrate in style aboard Holland America Line's Eurodam, with sunshine, fine dining, and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the Eastern Caribbean. Plus, feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation. Your favorite host will be there, and we hope you join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, go to www.unity.fm slash cruise. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. My guest today is Andrew Mellon, author of the best-selling book, Unstuff Your Life, Kick the Clutter Habit and Completely Organize Your Life for Good. You can find out more about Andrew's um, work and his workshops at his website, andrewmellon.com, M-E-L-L-E-N. Andrew, before uh, getting into the nitty-gritty details about how we unstuff our lives, um, your book begins with a chapter entitled, You Are Not Your Stuff. And of course, those of us who practice uh, yoga and study yoga philosophy um, can really relate to understanding what that means. Because the core um, spiritual teaching in, in yoga is um, uh, called avidya, which is ignorance. Um, it means wrong knowledge of what we are, and it has to do with a mistaken uh, identity, you know, identifying ourselves generally with the body and mind. But that often extends into stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. people identify yeah, with their cars, with their, you know, cars, with their um, the roles that we play, and so on and so forth. So, um, tell us about about that and how it relates to the stuff that we um, collect. Well, I often suggest that people look at how attached to their externals they are and how much time they're spending trying to rearrange them so that they will avoid negative judgment. Um, I suggest often that people, that they accept that they are being judged by their neighbors, by their friends, by their family, by strangers, and that they have already lost that, that game, if you will. Uh, that, that 
regardless of how they arrange their externals, they will always come up short in somebody's estimation. You will not live in the the right neighborhood for somebody. You will not be driving the right car. You will not be sleeping with the right person. You won't be sending your kids to the right school. You won't be eating the right food. You won't be wearing the right clothes. Um, you won't be watching the right television show. Whatever it is, somebody somebody's already judged you um, uh, negatively as a result of it. So instead of, again, spending your time on that um, merry-go-round of trying to get everything just perfect to evade um, any sort of negative appraisal of your choices, just surrender it. And, you know, if, if driving a Prius is more in alignment with your values than, uh, you know, than a Mercedes, even though you can afford a Mercedes, then drive the Prius and it doesn't really matter what your neighbors think that, you know, you're bringing the property values down because you have a, you know, a hybrid in your driveway instead of a luxury vehicle. It's, it's being able to distinguish, um, again, going back to your core values, uh, are, your, are your external choices in alignment with your values or are they in alignment with what you perceive other people's values to be? And what can you do to, to lessen that, that grip on you or to either cut the tether or to get some slack in the tether so that you start to make choices that bring you deeper joy and happiness as opposed to um, chasing after something that is elusive at best and uh, probably um, uh, impossible to achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's just an excellent point about, you know, what is it that we think something is going to bring us? You know, mm-hmm. is it going to bring us um, respect or acclaim, um, popularity, you know, uh, all happiness, all the things that, um, you know, the advertising can can promise. Um, right. So it's, it's learning how to discern the the real nature of things um, and what what they actually can can give us and um, you know this is of course understanding why we attach ourselves to things you know it, it is that idea of somehow it's going to um, change our identity but also it is um, sometimes thinking about something that a thing can give us which it might right. temporarily you know we have to say that it might temporarily give sure. us that but it's sure. not going to in the long run and that's you know coming back to your kind of full circle I want to know how you help your clients deal with their attachment to things. I want to know about the magic formula because I have something I have to let go. I have to let go of, and in a moment I'm going to tell you what it is. But um, but first, I want to hear how you do this. Uh, well, the, the the way that I do it is to just sit with them. They get to they get to unpack the story uh, about why this object is precious to them and then we look at the story and see if the story really has merit if it's a story that you want to keep telling yourself I, again i'm the the benefit of working with any professional organizer who's good at what they do is that we don't come i don't come with an agenda around again taking any particular thing away from you i'm not interested in taking anything away from you i just want you to live with the things that really matter to you so I can I can hold the space long enough for you to flop around with that story and see if it's really a story that has legs. If it's a story you want to keep telling yourself, you could have been telling yourself that story for 30 years or 30 minutes, 
it doesn't again the duration doesn't matter although the duration sometimes influences the 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 depth with which the story has bound itself to you uh, or has bound the object to you mm-hmm. so that's i mean that, that's the that's the magic formula is just sitting with the narrative long enough to recognize it is a story the object came with no story. I mean, even if, even if, even if the story is my great grandmother uh, brought it from some other country to this to this country, and you know it's been in my family for generations, that's still a story. The you know whether it's a, a mortar and pestle or a dining room table or a quilt, it's still it, it's just a quilt. Anybody else who picks up the quilt? Are you absolutely sure about that? Yes, I I am indeed. I am. When when you leave the planet, when that quilt leaves your possession, the next person who sees it either sees it as something that's going to keep them warm or not, and Mm -hmm. that's how that's what they're going to see. What you know, it might be beautiful, but their evaluation of it is not going to have any of that narrative attached to it. They won't know that your grandmother sat around a table with her you know her girlfriends for three months quilting it and then gave it to your grandmother on her wedding night i mean all of that narrative disappears so and that you know you're really talking about for me you know what i find the most difficult and that is you know things that have quote-unquote sentimental value of course that you know have come (laughs) through the family and okay so the object i'm dealing with is a self-portrait an oil painting that is it's big (laughs) it's an oil it's it's a big painting and it was my great grandmother who i never met you know but it's a beautiful painting this self-portrait and you know when my parents passed on i inherited this painting i have a small house this painting has there's no room for it so it was in the closet for a long time and i cleaned out the closet and i thought well you know i have to find a place for it so i i set it up at the top of the stairs you know thinking well i could put it in the stairwell where the other family the pictures are but it's so big you know it overshadows everything so i thought i've got to get rid of it so i want to confess that what i've done is i've moved it from the top of the stairs to the bottom of the stairs and i'm waiting for this conversation with you of like how i actually take this not and it's not just a photograph it's a it's an oil painting oh i understand my, my great grandmother painted of herself and it's actually quite good and in the back it has the date 1800 and something you know mm-hmm. um <laughs> so it's sitting there on the stairs. Okay, Andrew, let's deal with this. Sure. Is there anybody else in your family that would like this object? Well, you know, there's a possibility I could pass it on to my kids, but, you know, I have adult children who have their own homes, and I could ask them, but in a way, um, I feel that it's kind of inflicting the same problem on them. Well, then, no, it would, be, it would be that only if you showed up in their driveway and handed it to them and said, you must keep this. Because this was your great great grandmother, and uh, I will shame you if you <laughs> try to let go of it. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that would be the only way that you could inflict something on them. If you ask them, they're adult, they're grown children. You could say to them, "I have this, what I think is a lovely self-portrait of your great of my great grandmother, your great great grandmother. D- does it mean anything to you? Would you like to have it? If not, we'll find some other home for it." Mm-hmm. So. I mean, it's a simple question. They get to they get to decide. So when you foist it on somebody, then then of course, they, you know, then it comes loaded with with a, a, a quotient of guilt or shame or you know some sort of some sort of imposition. But yeah. a simple question can easily be um, can easily be answered with a yes or a no. 
Thank you so much. And, you know, I think I'm probably not alone in this one, you know, in terms of... Oh, my of, God, no. Of, of, course, you know, of course you're not. <laughs> clearing, clearing out things, you know, there's certain things that I find that, you know, I don't use, that I'm just holding on to, and there are certain, certain of them, you know, that I've, I've, like, taken out of cupboards or taken out of closets and said, okay, I'm letting these go. And at the end of the day, I put them back. And right. so... Um, you know, I, I, I'm looking to getting clearer on this particular issue, and I think your your work for understanding how. Um, I mean, you wouldn't say it negatively like this, but uh, I, I will in this moment. There's a cost, <laughs> you know. There's a cost for that, and um, and I'm aware of it because it weighs on me, you know. So now, great grandma, you know, is like down at the bottom of the stairs, and I have to walk. It every day. Sure, right. But, but, you know, there are other things that are just kind of taking up space, and they take up space not only physically, but they take up space mentally, right? Oh, well, yes, and I think that the mental and emotional space that they take up is, is in some ways um, more uh, demanding and upsetting than just the physical space. I mean, the, the, the conversations that you have with yourself every day when you walk by that portrait that's time that could be used for anything else. I mean, whether it's a whether it's a quiet walking meditation down the stairs or, you know, anything else that you might do with those 30 seconds and then whatever recovery time it takes uh, on the other side of the conversation to dis- disengage yourself from that conversation where, again, you have that... that tormented exchange of I should but I don't I don't know how I don't know what I this has to change but I don't know what to do all of that time is time that you could be doing something else that would be uh, spiritually nourishing as opposed to um, challenging or debilitating Mm, exactly and if we multiply that Oh my God! Throughout the day, yeah, throughout the <laughs> yeah, week, if we the year, it's crazy. By the, by the other things that are in our environment, that um, in a sense don't really have a place there, you know, or that right. we cannot deal with in the moment, but we're confronting them in the moment all the time. When, exactly. when you think of the cumulative amount of energy that is tied up in in what goes on when we encounter those things. Um, mentally, uh, when we see them, you know, it's it's pretty profound, isn't it? I believe that it is, and it does add up. It's easy to minimize it when you are just moving a stack of papers from one place to another place around your home. In the moment, you can say, well, it's, you know, 90 seconds, it's five minutes, it's not a big deal, I'm just going to sweep everything off the table, put it in a box, and throw it in this room because I've got company coming over, and I'll deal with it, quote, later. But all of those, first of all, later doesn't exist, and all of those laters just add up, and then now you have boxes and bags full of stuff that you didn't know what to do with in the first place, and, and it just becomes, it just, it, it, it morphs into this other, into this other experience, this other, um, challenge, this other, uh, distraction for you, and it, it, You'll pay for it on the front end, you pay for it on the back end, and it's always more money going out the door than it is going in the door. It, it's, uh, I wish that the math could work out differently for the people that are so stuck 
because I, you know, because I don't like to see people suffering, um, even when they're suffering at their own hands. But it is true that uh, whatever, those, those deferred decisions will always cost you more money to go back and do again later than they will to do them in the moment. It's uh, one of the rules that I have about email, for example, is don't, a- don't read email if you don't have time to answer email, because particularly if it's something that's going to upset you. You know, if you read an email from somebody that you're not in a harmonious relationship with in the moment, and it upsets mm-hmm. you, and you don't have time to reply, and not a snarky sort of defensive mm-hmm. reply, but a thoughtful reply, now you're just walking around upset, and, and mm-hmm. you still have to read it again when there is the time to answer it. So you're better off not reading it at all. Yeah, and of course, that is one of the critical places where um, you know so much of our time can go down the drain is is email, just sitting in front of. And I think that relates to what you're saying about urgent and important. And yeah. so, when we get back from the break, let's let's talk more about that and a little bit more about this relationship of uncluttering our lives to abundance. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest. Andrew Mellon. Visit his website, Andrew Mellon, M E L L E N dot com. We welcome your comments and questions, so you can contact us at yoga hour at unity dot FM, and we'll be right back. If you've tuned in for Touching the Stillness with host Reverend Paulette Pipe, then you know the power of her soul-stirring meditations. And if her programs leave you wanting more, you can purchase her meditation CD, Touching the Stillness, and you'll be able to take Paulette's calming voice along with you wherever you go. This enthralling CD contains three separate self-contained meditations that can either be listened to in one sitting or one at a time. Whatever your preference, Paulette's mesmerizing voice will transport you beyond thoughts and sounds to a sacred place of stillness and soul remembrance. So go ahead, enliven your meditation practice with the Touching the Stillness CD from Reverend Paulette Pipe and let the stillness touch you. To obtain your copy, go to www.unity.org and click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on shop. How's life working for you? Would it be okay with you if it got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful, more vibrant? Join Reverend Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for spiritual coaching, creating a vibrant life. Each week, Carla visits with leading-edge coaches as they explore the sacred purpose and stunning results of this exciting and emerging coaching model. Together, they reveal the secrets and successes of this transformational process. Call in and join the discussion as Carla creates a safe and sacred space to dialogue about real life and real-world transformations. That's Spiritual Coaching, Living a Vibrant Life with Reverend Carla McClellan. Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world.
listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with today's special guest, Andrew Mellon. And you can... uh, Learn more about his work at Andrew Mellon, M-E-L-L-E-N dot com. He's the best, uh, he's the author of the best-selling book, Unstuff Your Life. Um, kick the clutter habit and completely organize your life for good. Um, I want to come back to this, the uh, topic of abundance. Um, in the teachings of yoga and Patanjali's Yoga Sutra promises that if we're anchored, um, if we realize a non-stealing, a staya, being in a place of not needing to take, you know, or acquire, we will experience abundance. When we live in a harmonious relationship with life, we find that our needs are met without a lot of effort on our part, and we, we sort of come into this graceful relationship with uh, resources. And um, you have a similar promise in your in your book that by getting rid of stuff that doesn't serve us or isn't in harmony with our goals, we discover uh, abundance ourselves. So tell us a little bit about the, what you're talking about when you say that by actually getting rid of things, people experience abundance. Well, as you pointed out, I think on the very physical material level, by creating space and uh, opening our grip on things and being more generous, if we if we participate in a generosity economy, we will find our needs met. And I think that just like we distinguish between urgent and important, I think there's a huge distinction between need and want. And often we say, I need something when we actually just want it. So it's helpful to be able to distinguish those things for ourselves. Uh, If we have children, it's particularly helpful to be able to help them to discern the difference between needs and wants. Mm-hmm. And um, and then on a on a whether it's a metaphysical or a, a another level, the idea that by um, by having less to interact with, all of this time that we've spent rearranging our possessions or interacting with them or fighting to try to find an outfit in the closet or to make food in the kitchen but the cupboards are a mess and you can't actually get to your tools there's the time piece and then there's the everything else piece of being able having access to the time and the experiences that you've been craving that that your heart is longing for that you that when you imagine you know, winning the lottery or somehow being independently wealthy and free to do whatever you want in that fantasy, when for some people it's not a fantasy, I mean, they have those resources and they're still stuck. But whatever it is that's preventing you from getting to that sweet spot in your life where you are free to do the things that you are called to do, these obstacles are no longer in your way. Then you get really clear about oh, this was not so important. This was another story I was telling myself. This actually is not important to me. Now that I have access to it, I don't want, to, I don't want a scrapbook. I thought I did. I wanted a scrapbook more than I wanted to iron clothes, but now I don't want a scrapbook either. What I really want to go do is plant a garden. 
Mm-hmm. So great, go plant the garden. You know, you don't have to. You, you don't. You don't have to scrapbook any more than you, Ellen, specifically have to keep that portrait of your great grandmother. You can. <laughs> it's whatever the story is. Once we once we're in touch with that story, we can get really clear about this. I'm done with this story, and what I want is is this other thing, um, and I'm going to pursue it now. You know, mm. and and you know, coming back again to um, bringing full awareness to what we bring into our lives, you know, um, what it's going to take. And you're probably familiar with the, the great story about Thoreau, you know, when he went to the to the woods and his experiment in, in simplicity, and he, he brought into his cabin a, a little, a rock, you know, a piece of limestone. And this happens mm-hmm. when people go on, re- on retreat, you know, this urge to acquire and accumulate, you know, it shows up like people bringing rocks back, you know, from the woods yeah. or leaves or something. And, um, you know, and, and he says he, he brought it in and he, he put it on his, his table and then he became aware that he was going to have to dust it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he immediately got rid of it. Yep. And, uh, and so it's, it's really that kind of, uh, of awareness of, you know, where we really want our, our time and energy, uh, to be able to go. And I really like your point about making the distinction between our needs and our wants. And I think another important element that you address in your book is, um, staying out of, um, the arenas that stimulate wants that, you know, have us acquiring more than we need, you know, it stimulates desire where, where, you know, it could be like, you know, just as a, a pastime for the fun of it, perusing catalogs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, you don't need to rehearse shopping. <laughs> and and you know or, or like you say or window shopping you know you're not, you're not actually looking for windows you know so don't spend right. your time um doing that and in, in yoga we would say you know this is making an imprint you know in the mind and mm-hmm. so you know i discovered it may seem harmless in the moment and just enjoyable you're looking at the pictures and you're thinking okay well you know i don't i don't really have to get that but if you make the impression long enough, you'll find that then when the right opportunity presents itself, you're, you're actually purchasing that thing that you don't need. Yes. It's very fascinating to watch, you know, what happens uh, with the mind. So, um, but I want to switch now because I know that this is really a hot topic for people. You brought up in the last segment a little bit about email. And um, that seems to be, you know, one of the biggest things that um, is accumulating. I mean, sometimes people get thousands of emails in their inbox they don't know what to do with them and um and also there's just the thing of you know do we stay tethered um to the inbox all day and find at the end of the day we're tired and frustrated we never got to do what we really wanted to do yes gosh i hope not let's not stay tethered to the (laughs) inbox all day i'm a big proponent of checking email through throughout the day at very specific times that um that you set aside if you need to. I'm a big proponent also of using a timer throughout the day, particularly when you're learning new skills, when you're trying to, when you're trying to practice a new way of being around time management, to use a timer, even though it might seem like a tedious burden. Uh, I set a timer. I, I encourage clients and students to set a timer. Set, if you're going to do email for 30 minutes, set the timer. When the timer goes off, you're done, and you'll return to email later in the day. If, unless your job requires – unless you're doing customer service or something that requires you to constantly be on email, 
There's no such thing as an email emergency. Nobody's going to contact you because they fell down the stairs and need you to take them to the hospital, and they're going to send you an email. They're going to pick up the phone and call 911, hopefully, first, and then they will call you and say, I just called the, you know, I just called an ambulance. Please come get me or meet me at the hospital or something. But they're not going to send you an email. So we are in control of that experience. We can diffuse some of that intensity around the, again, the, the, Real or imagined urgency of email just because it's instant and it shows up in your inbox doesn't mean that you need to respond to it immediately. And, um, and I encourage people definitely do not check email at your most productive time during the day. For me, that's in the morning. That's when I write and I try not to answer emails. Again, unless, unless I'm expecting something from a client where later in the day that email is going to impact how we're working together or doing something, or again, if there's an event in the evening or the afternoon that I need to, where there's a deadline that's clear out there that requires me to do that. But otherwise, the morning is a time for me to be reflective and write. And then I can check email at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when I'm ready for a nap. It's not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't require my best um, thinking and uh, ability. It's, mm-hmm. you know... And you've got some really good um, tips in in your in your book about how to organize um, your email and and of course some of the things you just mentioned about you know just making some boundaries um, for ourselves and you know now there's some great studies coming out about email you know first it was you know that just the best thing that ever happened and now there's some questions about you know well what happens to your productivity when you leave your inbox open and you're switching you know your awareness back and forth um w- with the tasks that you're doing and, and checking uh email and and i oh, well, find yeah, and I, I read a study that said that um i mean if we don't if we don't actually set time aside to read actual well, I mean, books, I mean, things that are longer than a People magazine article that we will lose the ability to actually analyze and um, reflect on data. We, we, we will, if it's not in a soundbite, we're not going to be able to understand how to process it. We, we, we close off a part of our brain. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's um, remarkable and a little alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as you said, uh, in the sense of um, creating <coughs> creating those paths, we you know we can we can train ourselves to not be productive. We can actually train ourselves to to eliminate some of our skills, which we would never consciously want to do. But because of our habits, again, we would put things in place that would actually limit our ability to be responsive and aware. Yes, and I. I really have appreciated this conversation with you, and uh, Andrew, and, and it could just go on, and it would be delightful, <laughs> and I think for our listeners as well. And I want to say that you um, close the last chapter in your book with the word namaste, which, of course, is very dear to my heart and I think to our listeners in its meaning, you know, reverence to the divine within you. And I feel that your um, focus is largely that, like, you know, live your divine life and here's some very practical ways that you can do it. It will be useful for you and will be supportive of others as well. So it's really been a joy to share this yoga hour with you. Again, I want to remind uh, listeners, you can find out 
out more about Andrew's work and also find some good resources on his website, Andrew Mellon, M-E-L-L-E-N dot com. Uh, listen in next week for a program on self-discipline, willpower, and positive change with uh, Kelly McDonagall. And if you want more information about programs at CSE, we're going to have an upcoming 21-day meditation program. Visit csecenter.org. And remember to... Um, do something on Facebook with us um, that will help other people learn about the program. Thanks again, Andrew. It was great to be with you today. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Very good. And remember um, to let your inner light shine into the world and share your peace and joy with everyone you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for their popular book, The delightful mother-daughter duo, Victoria and Adair Moran, will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Reverend Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. When you pray, do you wonder if anyone is listening? What should and can you ask of God? Why aren't your prayers being answered? Prayer is a challenge for many of us. Now there's a new book that can help deepen your understanding. Based on his 35 years in ministry, 
author Jim Rose Murgy has developed a prayer and meditation practice called The Gathering. In just 40 days, The Gathering will become your foundation for a genuine, ever-deepening experience of God's imminent presence and unlimited power. You'll understand that God can't fulfill your needs, but your needs can be met. You'll see that prayer isn't something you do. It's something you experience. Explore Jim Rose Murgy's new book, The Gathering, a 40-day guide to the power of group and personal prayer. Available now at www.unitybooks.org. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 